It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 451 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, January 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Uh, also, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, which has team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd going strong, and we've got Locked On NBA Daily with a bunch of different hosts from across the network chipping in there. Uh, today's episode with David Locke uh, featured Ben Golliver, who's a weekly co- contributor over there from the Washington Post, and then also Sam Amick is a weekly contributor as well. He's from The Athletic, of course. And uh, it's just like constant content just being shoveled into your feed like coal into a fire on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So make sure you're checking it out and finding show or shows or hosts that you want to subscribe to and rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. Doing that supports them. It's a great way to help with the rankings and algorithms and making the shows more visible and collecting new listeners just because people you know will scroll through their top charts and say, hey, I want to listen to that podcast. It's about my favorite basketball team. It may but I haven't come across it before. That is why we ask you to do rankings and reviews, and it's very, very helpful, and I very much appreciate it. And we're doing great with the rankings and reviews on Locked On Raptors, and let's keep it going. And I very much appreciate anyone who's taken the time to do it. Uh, all right, let's get to today's show. It's just me going solo today to talk about the very dumb and annoying game that happened on Wednesday night. The Raptors lost to the Boston Celtics 117-108, the dastardly Boston Celtics. This was a entertaining game. A frustrating game, a game in which there was some good things to pull, I think, uh, from the Raptors side of things, but also some red flags about the potential matchup with Boston in the playoff series. Um, and, you know, I'm sure people will ascribe grand meaning to this game after a one-off because that's what we do every day. is just like a new round of takes that comes out to talk about what happened in big matchups. I don't think 
this game really changes how I felt about the Raptors and Celtics as like a matchup altogether. I think a lot of it's going to come down to home court. I think a lot of it is going to come down to Kawhi Leonard being the best player on the floor. And I think it's very much a toss up. And, you know, we'll, we can kind of get into some of the good and bad that happened from this game. What I'm going to do in today's show is just like a pros and cons list, I guess, of the game. I'll go through some good stuff that I noticed, good, some bad stuff that I noticed, and just kind of go back and forth to give a little bit of balance so we're not freaking out. We're not losing our minds over, you know, the thing that was bad that happened because there's probably a good thing that happened in the game to balance it out. Uh, so let's start with good, then we'll get to some bad, and uh, yeah, we'll just kind of let this thing meander on. Uh, first up, I guess the thing that I'm most encouraged by and the thing that continued to happen in this game, though to a lesser extent than it did in the first two Raptors-Celtics games, is that the Raptors starters continue to slap the shit out of the Boston Celtics, uh, whatever lineup they're up against. They've been awesome so far against the Celtics. Serge Ibaka at center, he had a really nice game last night. He had 22-10 and 10 on 10-21, uh, missed all of his threes, but he was really effective. And, you know, the, the Celtics are kind of doing what the Bucks did, I think, where they're kind of just like, all right, Serge, go get, go beat us. Give us give us your looks and, and see what you can do with them. And Serge has done a really good job of, you know, connecting on the looks that he's given. And I think he was great last night. For the most part, uh, kind of disappeared in the fourth quarter a little bit, but a lot of things disappeared in the fourth quarter, as we'll get to in some of the cons that happened in the game. But um, with Ibaka at center, like that lineup's just been so, so good this season against Boston. And that gives me a lot of hope because that's going to be a lineup that gets a lot of run in a Boston series or in any series really. Um, we've seen Nurse in, in many games this season kind of roll it out there for, you know, 20, 25 minutes. I think 26 against the Warriors in one game that lineup was out there. Like, that is a lineup that Nurse is going to ride, and for good reason. It's extremely good and fits together really nicely. And even after last night, so last night the Raptors offensive rating against, the starters offensive rating against Boston was like 123. Defensive rating about 119. But that brings their total over three games in 54 minutes. The Raptors have 112.1 offensive rating against the Celtics and a 91.4 defensive rating the starters do against Boston so far in three games 54 minutes once again so like not a crazy huge sample but it is by far the most used Raptors lineup against the Celtics this season and accounts for you know more than a third of their minutes against the Celtics at, at, in, in any given game um, when you do all the math of the three games played like that it's a very counted on lineup for Nick Nurse and you know, again good reason for it they're really good and they match up really well against Boston I think you know, Boston doesn't have a lot of dudes that can throw a Kawhi. He's always going to be a matchup problem. But I also think, like, Serge and, and Al Horford is kind of a neutral thing this season. You could even argue Serge has been a little bit better. Pascal Siakam against Marcus Morris, I think, is, like, a really fun, interesting sort of, you know, conflict of styles. But I think Pascal's kind of got the edge there. Uh, Kyle Lowry and, Kawhi, and Kyrie Irving has always been a really fun matchup. Obviously, Kyrie's incredible. Um, and then Marcus Smart is, like, not much of an offensive player. Danny Green kind of gives what Marcus Smart does while also being a good shooter. Um, um, and like it's just a good matchup for the Raptors to throw against the Boston starters and it's been really good like I said a plus 20.7 net rating in 54 minutes is nothing to sneeze at um, still not a great sample size in terms of size you know in the grand scheme of things but in a, a three game sample against one team it's really encouraging and a really great starting point for the Raptors to have. So that's where I think I come down. Like even last night when um, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the fourth quarter, the starters were on the court for, for most of that crunch time period. And the Celtics absolutely blitzed the Raptors. And we'll get to that in a second. But um, like even when they got blitzed at the end of the game, they still ended up being like a plus four net rating in the game, which is great. And kind of feeds into what like... 
it didn't happen, but I had just like anytime the starters were on the court yesterday, I just kind of like thought, hey, the run's gonna happen here, and they're gonna you know go on, go and make a lead and, and and bring it back. And it didn't happen in the second quarter. Boston had a great second quarter against whatever lineup was out there, but in the third quarter, the starters were fantastic and got the Raptors back in the game and, and made a pretty big comeback, a double digit comeback uh, for being down 11 at the end of the third. They brought it back to within four, very much within striking distance, and they were awesome. And even before the crunch time wheels fell off, they were doing some really good things too in the fourth quarter. So. So um, that is a definite con- a definite pro of last night's game is the starters continue to be very good. And even with it not be- being probably their worst game this season against Boston as a lineup, they still maintain a plus 20.7 net rating against Boston. That is really good. And uh, that's definitely pro number one. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, Let's go to bad thing number one. Uh, I think probably is the late play calling that you have to kind of, you know, zero in here. It was really rough at the end of the game. The Raptors, for some reason, just kind of forgot what they were doing and had a shot clock violation. They had a really long Kyle Lowry three-point attempt that was, like, you know, terribly short, almost went air, and just kind of, you know, nicked off the front of the rim. And after that, it go, they go, the Celtics go down. There's a Jason Tatum open three. There's a Al Horford open three. I think Kyrie Irving had an and one at some point mixed in there as well. And it was kind of the Raptors, once again, kind of falling in love too much with just, like, give the ball to Kawhi and have him do stuff. And it in fairness to Kawhi, he did stuff. He was awesome in this game. He had 33 on 10 of 19. He had the mean mug on the on the excellent uh, and one that he picked up, I think, through Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris at the end of the game. Um, and that felt like really a, a place where the Raptors had kind of established that they were going to win the game and, until things kind of fell apart in the last couple minutes. But... Yeah, the late the late play calling was rough. There was a timeout, I think, with about a minute forty left, and like the play out of it ended up being like Danny Green running a pick and roll with Kawhi, and Danny Green launching a mid range pull up jumper that completely clanked off the backboard and then off rim and out. Like that is just not good play calling, and we've seen this. It's been bizarre. We saw it in the Wizards game on Sunday. The six point eight seconds left, they throw it in the backcourt for Kyle, and he comes up, runs a pick and roll, gets a switch with a huge dude on him, and he launches a three over him, and they did need a three to win instead of like trying to blow by a guy or just like you know saving some time by not throwing into the backcourt all the way like it just didn't make a lot of sense to me the way they managed the end of that game I know a lot of times and I've talked about the virtues of just like going ISO and saying hey Kawhi go do a thing and score some buckets um but like last night just was not it wasn't working a Marcus Smart was doing a great job on Kawhi Leonard and like 
Marcus Smart is so exhausting to watch, but like he obviously is a fantastic defender, even though he's got like, you know, maybe Kawhi's got like four or five inches on Smart. Like it doesn't matter. Smart's an incredible defender, does not lose position whatsoever, is not bullied around by Kawhi in the way that most defenders are by him. And early in the game, the Raptors were doing some smart stuff where they were doing the little one-two pick and rolls, I guess one-three pick and rolls with Kawhi, uh, the way they would used to do with Kyle and DeMar, to try to get smart off of Kawhi with switches because the, the Celtics are very happy to switch at all times. And there was like one or two plays where they would run that and they'd get Marcus Morris on Kawhi and Morris just did not have the foot speed or the wits to stick with Kawhi. And Kawhi got a couple open threes out of it. There was one where uh, I think, yeah, like Kyle or, or, some, or maybe Pascal ran the screen uh, on Smart and you know Morris switched on, but was really slow to switch on to Kawhi. And he just popped a three, and it was great. And he did it again, I think, in the fourth quarter. And at the end of the game, there was one ISO where you know Kawhi had Marcus Smart on him. They completely cleared it out. They didn't run a screen uh, to try to you know open things up. And you know obviously there's problems when you invite screeners, and this was a problem in the game against Boston at the end of the game uh, in November where. People were concerned that there was just an ISO that they ran for Kawhi. They didn't run anything to try to get any action or sort of movement towards the basket from anybody or anything like that. It was just, you know, Kawhi straight up ISOing somebody, I think Marcus Morris at the time. And for me, like, I'll take that any time. But against Marcus Smart, who's a different beast, and just the way the Raptors' offense had kind of stagnated, like, give me a little bit of extra action out there. The way you have Pascal Siakam on the court, um, and we'll get to a pro of his from this game as well, like, with Pascal on the court... Like, you can afford to, like, run a screen with Pascal to try to get a switch and just have, you know, a more favorable matchup for Kawhi. They just didn't do that at all in this game. And then there were a couple plays where Danny Green had to bail them out. He did bail them out at one point. I think the tide at 106 with, like, a turnaround jumper over Smart that was insanely lucky that it went in. But other than that, it was just rough play calling or lack of play calling entirely. And, you know, I've praised Nick Nurse. I think he's done a really good job of managing the sort of uh, the transition to playing a smaller style and having Jonas and Ibaka sort of, you know, split the minutes at center. That's not an easy thing to sell your team on or sell your players on to just take away starters minutes from a guy um, and totally change a guy's role, you know, a couple guys' roles from what what they've been used to for years. And I think Nick Nurse has done a really good job at that. And I think he's done a good job of just like sort of, you know, letting the team play. He's not getting in the way too much, which is nice. And maybe that's kind of become a bit of a thing where he's doing it too much late in games as well, where he's just like, all right, Kawhi, go do your thing. I'm not going to get in the way and sort of drop anything intricate. I wish he would, though. I wish he would kind of get a little bit more creative late in these games. If there's a big criticism of Nick Nurse right now is that the play calling late in games has not been very good. And like, it's hard to get that upset because the Raptors have still been very good in crunch time, and last night was a disaster. So last night, the Raps were a plus 7.9. Uh, going into last night, they were a plus 7.9 in 93 clutch minutes. Now, after last night, where they were outscored, uh, they were a literal negative 100 net rating in crunch time last night in four crunch time minutes. They're now a plus 3.3 in 97 minutes, so like a pretty huge hit to their overall net rating. But, you know, last night is a very much an outlier game in that, and for the most part, they've been good and, and won games, especially with defense late in games and they've been able to get enough out of Kawhi or Pascal or Serge or whoever it's been that's gotten big buckets Danny Green obviously uh, with a couple game winners as well against Miami and Orlando like they've got enough offense to make it work and their defense has been so stout it just wasn't last night the defense was not getting back tracking back to stop guys in transition and it just kind of all fell to shit and it began with bad play calling that was leading to long rebounds leaking out and the Celtics were just running and and, t- and carving up the Raptors and um, I just I wish we could see a little bit more in terms of just like creative half court stuff from uh, Nick Nurse on those you know late timeout plays that you know he's just 
you know, Dwayne Casey got a lot of crap for not being great, uh, you know, as a micromanager late in games, but he drew up some really good out-of-bounds stuff and really good sideline stuff that um, worked out of timeouts pretty well. You, the Raptors were always near the top of the league in out-of-timeout plays, and it feels like this season it's fallen off a little bit. And, like, I'm not saying Nurse can't get better at that. I'm very much of the mind that coaches can get better and improve, and he's still a rookie coach. Like, it's going to take some time. That's fine. Um, that was always the risk, I guess, of bringing in Kawhi with a rookie coach, but, you know, still. Like, I think, you know, having this season be so important. Like, it's not like Nick Nurse is not cut out for this job. I think he very much is. It's just he's done some stuff late in games where it's just been very rudimentary and not enough for uh, defense to have to think to guard it. And, like, that's all I ask. Just make a defense think a little bit, even if it is just an extra screen uh, that you're running to try to get a switch, even if you don't get the switch, even if the team doesn't really abide by what you want to do, at least try it. And that's what the Raptors have not done of late or at all this season late in games. And I would like to see that maybe change around a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so that's the biggest negative for me from last night's game was just the crunch time late game play calling was bad. Boston didn't even have to call plays, really. They were just getting rebounds, running out, and just... just cooking. Um, also, Kyrie made some absurd shots because that's what Kyrie does. Marcus Smart made a pull-up three at some point in the fourth quarter, too. That's going to happen sometimes. He had five points of the night. Those three points were a backbreaker um, and feel like they were worth way more than three points. Um, so, yeah, just a uh, a bit of a struggle bag of a game late, in the, late, late on for the, for the Raptors, though like there was some good stuff as well leading into that. I mean, let's get back to the good stuff, I suppose. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so pro number two, uh, I guess building off of that, I thought the passing the Raptors were doing last night was really impressive. Like in particular, Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry. This is just a small thing and like just sort of a thing that I enjoyed watching about the game. I'm not sure how much it actually affected the winning. There were some misses. There were some makes off of them. But it was really cool to see Kyle just throwing gorgeous kind of peak early season Kyle pocket passes, um, in particular to guys like Serge. I mean, there was one pass he made to Serge with his like left hand that was like totally perfectly placed to a place where only Serge could catch it. He, I think Serge turned around and missed it, or he might have made the shot. I can't remember. I think in the third quarter, uh, maybe the second quarter. It's kind of all vague in my brain right now. I think it was the second quarter. Either way, um, just like gorgeous passing from Kyle. He's a ridiculous passer. He's done a fantastic job of it all season, and I thought Kyle even though we had just 10 points on 3-10 shooting uh, and missed the big three late, like, I thought he was awesome in this game and did a lot of very Kyle lowry things. Um, I hope he... I'm glad the Raptors are sitting him tonight. He took a knock to the face last night um, and a couple falls here and there that, like, I just wish they would put him in bubble wrap, to be honest. But I do think he was uh, really impressive last night, and that was good to see. This was a strange game. Like, you know, Pascal was, uh, you know, not his best game offensively, just three of six, uh, but he had seven assists. And I think he kind of took the space the Celtics were giving him and used that to do good things. And he created seven assists out of it. Uh, some gorgeous passes to, to Ibaka in this game. And he had a really great pass, I think, on the on the roll in a pick and roll situation. He found uh, Danny Green in the corner for three. Just like, mwah, chef's kiss stuff. Beautiful and for a Bach, or for a Siakam to be able to have seven assists on a night where his offense just wasn't really there, um, or he wasn't really called on all that much, I thought it was really, really great to see. 
And uh, I hope we see him more. And I think we will because he's a really smart player and he's a really good passer. And I think the next natural evolution of his offensive game is taking the space teams are giving him uh, when he's, you know, spotting up around the perimeter and using that space as a runway to create for other guys. And he did that last night to great effect. Um, And yeah, this was a game where, you know, it wasn't really, it was billed as like this game of two, the two deepest teams in the East. And it's kind of been a myth for both of these teams this season that they've been extremely deep because like... Yes, the Celtics have gotten unexpected contributions from, like, Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart in the starting five, but, like, Jalen Brown's been terrible, and Jalen Brown last night, this is another pro, I suppose, if you're a Raptors fan, like, Jalen Brown is not very good right now. He's just, like, a negative, actively negative offensive player. He was 2 of 9 last night, didn't really notice him all that much, and, like, when he's on the court... That's not a bad thing. You want him on the court at this point. He's not very good. Terry Rozier was also kind of ineffective. Um, And, you know, even Marcus Morris had a rough game, two of nine as well. Uh, So this was very much like the stars of the team kind of carrying the day for both squads. And honestly, if you're stacking up the Raptors stars against Boston's, obviously Boston might have a little bit more like even, you know, high level talent between Kyrie Horford and and Gordon Hayward. But like Kawhi, I'll take Kawhi against those three any day. Kawhi is incredible, man. And he was awesome last night. And I will take the Raptors' top-tier talent against the Celtics' top-tier talent. The whole thing before the season with the Celt- was that the Celtics were going to have these six or seven or eight guys who were all better than the second or third best guys on most teams they played. And that might be true still, but I do think Siakam has kind of made a leap that I wasn't expecting, and you can throw him in that mix of like second-tier guys on both of these teams. I'm not sure where he would rank in like a ranking of the players in the series or the matchup, but he's really high. And Kawhi is just, I think... As great as Kyrie was last night, I think Kawhi's just another level beyond that, and I'll take the Raptors' heads up with the talent, and um, you know, hoping that the bench comes around later. Uh, you know, that's I guess the next thing you're hoping for. But yeah, the like the the way the Raptors' best players played in this one, I thought was pretty encouraging. It was nice to see Danny Green, though he was only six of 15, three of eight from deep. I thought he had a nice game overall. Um, and yeah, like I just the starters not the problem in this game by any means. That is for sure. Uh, all right, let's get to another con from this one. I guess we can go to the bench. We did the stuff about the play calling late in the game, but the bench was also a sore spot in this one. Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright, man. Like, ugh. Both combined for zero points, two assists, both on Fred's part. Actually, DeLon was, you know, borderline club trillion in this game, aside from a couple field goal attempts, and he was awful. Like, he just was not noticeable. Neither was Fred. And when those two aren't good, there's just not enough creation in that second unit, although Norm Powell had a nice game. He, you know, kind of was able to create some offense for himself on that second unit and kind of, in the third quarter at least, at the end of the third, start of the fourth, really kind of kept the Raptors within shouting distance because he was so good playing in sort of mixed starter bench units. The Raptors had to mix quite a bit last night just because OG was out and he's going to miss again on Thursday against Phoenix. But um, yeah, I thought the bench was really ineffectual for the most part. And that is something that needs to be figured out, obviously. Um, But if people who are like really sounding alarm bells right now a, like, this is probably the worst we'll ever see DeLon and Fred at least play together in the same game. And really, I don't know if they've played worse games this season in general, just the two of them. They were both awful. This is not the norm for them. Um, I do think the bench still has a lot of time to figure it out. And there's a lot of reason to believe that it could because... As a friend of the show, Anthony Doyle, pointed out today on Twitter, the bench unit that you would assume once everyone's healthy is going to be the Raptors' go-to five-man bench unit, you would think it's going to be DeLon Wright, Fred Van Vliet, Norm Powell, OG, and Jonas Valanciunas on most nights, unless Jonas is starting for whatever matchup reason. But let's assume that's just going to be the bench unit they're going to ride most nights. 
that should be a pretty decent lineup. Jonas provides some offense. There's good defense up and down. There's switchability. There's length. Uh, Norm is a bit of extra dynamism to go next to uh, Van Vliet and Wright if those two are a little bit off in terms of their creation. And DeLon is like pretty good as a creator. Fred can be a good creator when he's not overdoing it and dribbling the ball into the ground. Like, there's some potential for some decent offense, but mostly really good defense in that lineup, I think. Um, and, like, even if it's not as good as last year's bench mob, which it probably won't be because last year's bench mob was a complete anomaly among bench units in NBA history, really, um, I still think there's a reason to believe that that second unit won't, like, give away games and it won't be on the starters every time to come in and get the lead back after the bench has pissed it away. Um, and that lineup that I referenced and that Anthony referenced, that lineup has played zero minutes together this season. It has not gotten a second second of court time together, and we still need to see if that's going to work. Obviously, Jonas is going to be back in a few weeks still, and it's going to take some time to get those guys back and, and get that lineup together, and obviously with all the other injuries they've dealt with, it may never be that they have all those guys available. That's just the NBA. You don't, you're not healthy all the time, and you're rarely ever healthy um, for even like short stretches because guys get dinged up and miss games, and it's just un- unpredictable that way, obviously, but if you do get healthy and you get to play that lineup together, there's reason to believe that it'll be okay or like you know, a passable bench unit. And just like that's all the Raptors really need right now is a passable bench unit because the starters are so good, particularly against Boston. Um, like the, the bench just needs to be okay. It just can't be an active, you know, huge negative all the time. And I think eventually those guys are going to come back around and we'll be able to see them be good and, you know, get some run together and at least get some data on whether or not they're good or not. And then you can kind of revisit the staggering thing, which last night I'm kind of bummed we didn't see. If there's another con, again, Nick Nurse, just like not managing with like the kind of urgency you would want to see from a game against Boston. Like I get it in a game against like the Magic or the Bulls or whatever. Like you want to roll out a five-man bench unit, fine. I don't give a shit. They suck and you're going to be fine no matter what, most likely. But against Boston where I guess there's sort of standings considerations on the line a little bit. Like there's not crazy considerations because the Raptors still have five games on the Celtics in the loss column and that's going to be a lot to make up over the last 35 or so games of the season. But like there's still... Like there's a psychological thing here, right? You want to beat Boston. You don't want Boston to feel themselves. They don't. You don't want Boston to feel good about their matchup against you. Um, and you know Boston is different at home. Maybe they doesn't matter. Maybe it was just a home game and it doesn't matter at all. And like this game won't have any bearing on how they view the matchup against Toronto. But like you don't want to give them any sort of edge at all. And it just felt like Nurse was not really treating this game the way a high leverage game probably should be treated. He wasn't um, staggering his stars. He took out both Kyle and Kawhi late in the fourth quarter, third quarter, sorry, and ran just pretty much full bench units mixed with like Pascal or Danny Green uh, into the fourth quarter, despite the really bad struggles from both Van Vliet and DeLon Wright. And like, I just thought there could have been more room for staggering in this game in particular. And it's going to be kind of what happens with the bench unit over the next little while is going to really determine whether or not staggering is just part of the, the game flow for, for Nick Nurse every game. Um, and like, I'm not saying he should be doing it every night just yet, but man, last night really could have used it, I think, because of how you know porous the bench was and because of how bad Van Vliet and Wright were. Like, that's 30 minutes you're never getting back, the, 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 the 30 combined minutes those two played last night. Um, and 30 combined minutes they played probably without Kyle on the floor for most of it, if I go back and look, um, which, you know, Kyle just kind of raises the tide of everybody, man. He makes everybody better. Even when he's not having a great game himself, he makes it all better. He makes the bench good. He makes the bench passable um, at the very least. And, you know, last night, I think they really could have used that. Like, really, really could have used that. And they just, uh, they didn't bust it out. So that's disappointing, I suppose. But 
Yeah, the bench concerns, we'll see, I guess, how it all transpires. As guys come back and they get healthy and we get more data, it's still too early to say, oh, the bench is terrible and it's not going to work out and all this stuff. Like, we still haven't seen the, the prime bench unit together at all this season. So give us some time. Uh, back to some pros for the Raptors. Um, just some minor matchup stuff. Uh, I think the Raptors can really take it to Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum is very bad at defense. There was a couple plays, um, where I think it was Danny Green drove by him pretty willy-nilly. You know, they don't even dare put Jason Tatum on Kawhi Leonard. Um, and so I think in a playoff series, like, he's going to be a guy you can probably target a little bit and try to really take it to. Maybe they didn't try to do it last night just because they don't want to sort of expose that weakness too, too much or whatever. Um. Um, but I do think Jason Tatum, if you're looking at that starting five, is probably the weak link defensively. Marcus Morris has been really good defensively again this year too, but even last night still you know, kind of slow with some decision-making, as I mentioned, with uh, a couple of those Kawhi threes that he was switched on to him for. Um, and like, I'm not terrified, really, of, of, Mark, of Marcus Morris. And it's funny, last night they were mentioning on the broadcast that you know there's no rim protection on Boston, which is kind of true. I mean, Aaron Baines is kind of okay uh, in there, and like Al Horford is a smart defender. I don't know if he's like an imposing rim protector that you're scared of, though. And and we've seen in the past the Raptors really take advantage of the lack of, you know, just like stout sheer rim protection that the Celtics offer. And so I wonder if maybe that's something uh, the Raptors will sort of build their game plan around, just sort of attacking and, and taking it to the hoop. And, you know, they, they did it really well last night. I thought, like, there is, uh, you know, not much in the way of resistance when guys would carve in there. Uh, Serge Ibaka had his way around the rim. He had five offensive rebounds in this game. Um, and you can kind of press that size advantage. The Raptors are huge. And they're bigger than, than the Boston is. So, like, again, individual matchup stuff. I think the Raptors are probably pretty okay with Boston. And, like, the home court advantage really seems like a very real thing for Boston this season. They're 16-5 and five at home, uh, making them 10-13 and 13 on the road. And they just play differently. They play with a different energy. Yes, the crowd, whatever. Like, the crowd's fun. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe, yeah, it is. Just, like, Boston's crowd revs them up. But uh, I do think... Uh, you know, the, the, there is a lot of matchup stuff there. Like even Kawhi last night, even with how good Marcus Smart was on him at times, there's not really anyone on Boston that can really stop him. And I think in a pinch, if you really wanted to try, you could probably try to throw Kawhi on Kyrie Irving and try to stop him and slow him down and just use that defensive resource. And, and But at the same time, I think, you know, Danny Green's pretty good against Kyrie. I think there's more options... The Raptors have more options defensively to throw against Kyrie than they have to throw against Kawhi, if that makes any sense. If you know, I think that's what I'm trying to get across here. Um, so, yeah, it's just the, the matchup, it was bad last night. It looked rough, and maybe you trust the coach, Brad Stevens, a little bit more than you trust Nick Nurse. Maybe that's a big matchup disadvantage the Raptors have, but um, I think it's too early to say whether Nick Nurse is going to be good at that or not in a, in the micro of a, of a close game, but... I do think the like the on-court matchup, the Raptors still have a lot of advantages they can press, and especially when Valanciunas is in. Like Valanciunas has always been pretty good against Boston. He's always been good against Horford. Yes, there are some defensive liabilities that you are concerned with there, but um, he's always been kind of a monster against Boston. So uh, the the matchup does not really concern me the way I think some people might you know assume after watching last night's game. It's still very much a toss-up series, man. Like it's it's very very close. It might come down to home court, but. Uh, the Raptors are in a pretty good spot to have home court in a potential series with Boston. Hey, maybe they won't even get them. Maybe Boston loses in the first round of Philly in the 4-5 matchup. I'd be surprised by that, but, you know, maybe that happens. Maybe the the Raptors fall down to two and they get the Pacers in the second round or something like that. 
whatever it is, uh, we're going to be paying a lot of attention to seeds because like Boston is very good, and I wouldn't want to play them in a series by any means because of the you know the the energy they have at home and just sort of I guess the experience, the battle testedness they have uh, from last year's run and from Kyrie going to finals and all this shit. Like they're very good and very scary, but I still think. We saw last night some of the matchup advantages the Raptors can press against them, and uh, we still haven't even seen a full, healthy Raptors roster. And I think, you know, we've talked about the uh, the, the the size advantage the Raptors have. I think the, the the lineup that they've thrown out and kind of tested a couple times, uh, especially against the Wizards on Sunday, where they throw out Kawhi as the two next to uh, OG Pascal and, and Ibaka. Like that could be a lineup where you really sort of overwhelm Boston with size and physicality and defense and switchability. And Boston doesn't have a lot of size to counter with it. Maybe they make a trade for someone big. I don't know. But, you know, the Raptors feel like they're a bit more of like a burly, difficult team to go against than Boston is. As good as Boston is defensively, they were fantastic yesterday defensively late in the game. Got to give them some credit uh, for how that all transpired at the end. Like he, he, it was great. They, they, you know, the Raptors didn't do much in terms of, like, innovation and trying to get the Celtics on their toes defensively or on their heels, but also Boston was very sound and it was really just kind of, like, ganging up to block shots. I think, like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown all chipped in with blocks, uh, you know, in transition or around the basket. They were great. You know, Hayward had a block. Brown had a block. They, uh, you know, it, it was a, a really good performance from them. There's no denying that, but I still think the Raptors, probably in a matchup situation, are, are not so, you know, hard up for, for ways to sort of take it to Boston. I think, you know, it's easy to take last night's game and be concerned by it, but I think there's lots of positive to look at in the matchup uh, realm of things as well. Uh, any more cons? I don't know. Like, there's some, I suppose. Like, the Kyrie being unstoppable and being ridiculous, that's that's a problem for sure. They're, they're, he's really good, um, and I'm not sure Kyle is really equipped to guard him. But again, I think you could sort of come up with some solutions that way. Throw Danny on him, throw Kawhi on him, and kind of, you know, just see if that works for, you know, possessions here and there. Throw different looks at him. Uh, just put him on his heels. I think even Abaka had a couple possessions last night where Abaka did pretty well, switched on to him. Uh, late in the game, actually, one of Kyrie's crunch time shots was like a ridiculous pull up, but Ibaka did a fantastic job of staying in front of him, forcing a, like a tough mid-range jumper falling away that Kyrie hit because he's insane. Um, but, you know, it was a, a, a pretty a- adequate and admirable showing from Ibaka on that possession in particular. Um, and yeah, like, obviously it's going to be a problem if the Celtics get up to full speed and Hayward and Horford are kind of back where you thought they were going to be and the Celtics are as deep as you thought they were going to be, but um, like I said earlier, they're not really playing with the same depth that they have on paper because a lot of guys aren't really, you know, being all that effectual. Mostly Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier are just kind of like, blah, whatever, they're fine. Um, and like Jason Tatum has been up and down this season, his efficiency is down, whatever. It, he's not like the, the second coming of, you know, Kobe that people thought he was going to be. Um, although the second coming of Kobe would probably behoove the Raptors because Kobe sucked. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, I'm going to wrap it there. I don't think I have anything else to say about this game. The Raptors didn't play very well the, the end of the, at least in crunch time they played well for most of the game I thought um, and I saw some takes like oh this is a horrible loss like it's a fine loss it's in Boston you're not supposed to win in Boston it's tough to win there the fact that you were in it till the end kind of you know it's maybe moral victory bullshit but it kind of hey they played well and they had a chance and they coughed it up late but their their track record this season has not been one of being bad in crunch time. It's been one of being very good and efficient and very good at defense. And uh, I think I'll 
take the full season sample over a one game off where it was really, really bad. Um, or one, one game instance, sorry, where it was really bad. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Sorry if this was rambly and uh, disjointed, but uh, I don't know. This game deserved a lot of talking, I guess. There's lots of talk in the brain to get out about this game. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you on Friday. I'm going to do an episode with our pal Dharma Nayak. We're going to talk about tonight's Raptors-Suns game. Just the lit-ass game it should be with Kyle and Kawhi and JV and OG all missing the game for the Raptors. Uh, they're still nine-point favorites, apparently, which is hilarious. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that game tomorrow with Darman Nayak. And uh, Patreon podcast coming up will be out, I think, on Saturday morning, probably. Uh, depends if I get some time to edit it on Friday. But but myself and Joey Cash, Joseph Cacharo from The Score, are going to be doing a podcast all about Andrea Bargnani, which should be a delight. I think I'll also have a what didn't suck up on Raptors HQ for this Celtics loss sometime tomorrow, so make sure you stay tuned for that as well. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 